us Gen Xers, when we wanted to know a fact about right. a dog, we had we couldn't Google it. We had to write to a raccoon. <laughs> Do you understand the world you have been gifted? Oh the struggle gosh. we had a goddamn raccoon. I know. Hello! Hi! Welcome to We Don't Deserve Dogs. I'm Dr. Lisa Lippman. I'm Richie Redding, and our guest, yet again, <laughs> you have made the internet come alive, dear. Yes, I have. It's it's really impressive. He is a board-certified veterinary surgeon, the host of a vet news show called Vet Candy Watch, and the popular podcast, Anything is Pausable. <laughs> See what he did there? <laughs> it's Dr. Courtney Campbell. Yay. Wow, that was a tremendous introduction. Thank you very much. I didn't even... Uh, Half the stuff you mentioned, I'm like, wait, I do that? I wasn't even sure. <laughs> I, it's uh, it's on your IG and your LinkedIn bios. That's as deep as I go. Oh, man. All right. Well, I got to talk to my people and see if we can change that. <laughs> what, <laughs> what do you like to go by? Oh, I definitely go by Dr. Courtney. Yeah, all the Dr. time. Courtney. Or just, just Courtney. Because, you know, the funny <laughs> thing is about the doctor thing, you know, particularly, and I think a lot of people who graduate from medical school have experienced this, is that when you first get out, you become, you, you're you're proud of it for good yeah. reason and you kind of become on fire with this doctor label so you <laughs> get you know uh, just totally insignificant things you'll you know you'll order a pizza and then they'll say oh sign the receipt and you're just like <laughs> oh yeah dr courtney campbell on this it's like no one cares no one no one cares right. and I, so you know is- you'll do that for maybe three six months and then you'll say okay now i know the correct times to use the title versus all the time is it like <laughs> how my sister said the word husband ten thousand times right. in the first year that she was married right. like yeah we get it we know who he is funny. it's fred right that's funny <laughs> that's fred. right 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 and, and Honestly, I get it because, you know, number one, you're proud of it. But then number two, you're your entire name changes all of a sudden. I mean, you used to be just go by your first name and then you go through a certain amount of schooling and then people no longer refer to you as your first name. And it's kind of a weird construct if you think about it, but yeah, you get over that pretty quickly. Okay, moving right along. This I found very interesting that I listened to a piece of uh, the podcast that you posted from, yeah, it's just a, a clip that you posted about being a, a pre-pre-vet. Mm. And for the first time in the history of this podcast, I believe that we have someone that can actually give Lisa a run for her money. <laughs> Dr. Lisa. Right, right. Uh, for being a young animal nerd. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. That's I, I want to... S- I want to see a, a pissing contest. Go ahead. Uh oh. Let me hear. Let me hear. What 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 are your bona fides for being a young animal nerd? <laughs> uh, I you know I don't know if this is a highlight on the gram, but I should make it one. Well, when I was in fifth grade, I wrote a letter to myself saying that I wanted to be a doctor of veterinary medicine, and that and, I <laughs> <laughs> and also that you weren't going to be friends with your friends. Yeah, and that also these were <laughs> I listed my friends, but I said I don't think I'll keep them. <laughs> <laughs> you were very honest uh, yeah. with yourself. Yes, I was. I really was. Um, and then, and then she mailed me back that piece of paper when I was in high school, 
So I still have it. The teacher. And the teacher, right. Yeah. And then I also wrote, when I was 10 years old, uh, Bell Ray Veterinary Technician School. I'm just going to name them by name now because I think we're past this. Because, yeah. So I sent them, up, I wrote them and I asked them to send me a brochure because I wanted to be a veterinarian. That's how I spelled it when I grow <laughs> up. And I gave them all of my best stickers on an envelope. And I said, these are my, the, I love these stickers. If you, if you don't want them, please send them back. <laughs> and they wrote me back and they said, you're too young, we can't send you a brochure. A brochure. A brochure. What? They couldn't just send couldn't a girl a brochure. You a had brochure. to be in college <laughs> to even send a brochure. But here's your stickers back. We thought you'd like to keep them. So <laughs> I have this whole letter that I wrote to them. Yeah. Wow. If that isn't a rejection, I don't know what is where they just simply said, all right, uh, we can't give you a brochure, but we can absolutely give you your stickers back. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's a Matumbo swat. Yeah. So, but you wrote Ranger Rick. Well, listen, I mean, when it comes down to what kids will do, it, it's we, we laugh about it. Right. We like to have fun with it. Like kids will do anything. But, you know, there's no limits. There's no boundaries. There's no ceilings. But on a very serious note, that kind of behavior, that kind of intellectual curiosity, I really think needs to be sort of cultured and and fostered and nurtured because that is that's a beautiful thing you know and there's indications and studies that in, that show that kids develop the desire and the interest in becoming a veterinarian is early as the third or fourth grade and so if we can find that that youthful exuberance that you had Dr. Lisa and you're just like man we want to develop this and and have this uh, blossom into something real then you just continue to feed it like a plant and and look at you. I mean, I mean, seriously, look at you. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's amazing. <laughs> so that is one of those things where I, yes, of course I laugh about it. I make fun of myself, but on a very real note, before you get to pre-vet school and undergrad, there's a pre-pre-vet. And I, I don't know if anybody's ever made that term, but I was just writing one day on the gram and I just said, yeah, it's like the pre-pre-vet. So yes, but, I wrote Ranger dude, Rick. I asked yeah, him a really odd question about. and it was... Why do dogs have whiskers? You are correct. <laughs> Why do dogs have whiskers? Buddy, I asked Lisa that at like 38 years old. <laughs> so you were a solid 29 Wait, ahead of me. did Ranger Rick write back to you and did you find- Dude, that raccoon. That, I thought that raccoon was too busy for a guy like me. A young kid in Connecticut, in Burlington, <laughs> Connecticut, wearing plaid, chopping wood, going out into the swamps, turning over rocks to find tadpoles. I was like, that raccoon's never going to write me back. But he did. And he said to me, Courtney, thank you so much for your question. I still have the note card that he sent me back. I just want to really? let you know that dogs have whiskers to navigate tight spaces at night and to basically get more information from their surroundings as they're walking through low light level environments. And also... They pick up all kinds of information, you know, wind direction and sensation, tactile sensation all through their whiskers. So I, I don't think he wrote that. I don't think he wrote tactile sensation <laughs> and, and low light level situations. But I, that's just my paraphrase of what that raccoon wrote back to me. And I will forever be in debt to uh, him because honestly, out of all the people that have written me letters, and there's been maybe one or two, there's never been a wild animal that's written me a letter like that. With, with that kind of eloquence. So I will always be forever in debt to him. Also, Lisa, I don't know if you were into uh, zoo books. Were you into zoo books as well? Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
Perfect, perfect. There was a section in zoo books, it was probably two or three pages in, on every single one, which was this thin, thin magazine dedicated to a particular family. Big cats, elephants, those sort of things. And inside, on the second or third page, would be a, a schematic, a drawing of all their anatomy, showing muscle attachments and, and everything. I was like, good lord, this is the anatomy of of some of these wildlife, it was fascinating. And that's well, why you are a board. We mentioned he's a board, not just a doctor, but you're a board certified surgeon. You might as well be doctor, doctor. No. Well, did, for, again, let me, what did we say when we first when we first started? No one cares. Yes, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we first, that's what we first mentioned. That's funny. Well, if, if I could just interject quickly yeah. that I think there's an important takeaway here. If we have any very young people that have always had the internet, um, us Gen Xers, when we wanted to know a fact about right. a dog. We had we couldn't Google it. We had to write to a raccoon. <laughs> Do you understand <laughs> the world you have been gifted? Oh the struggle gosh. we had a goddamn raccoon. I know. And it answered. I know. You're bringing me back down to the times of uh, Encyclopedia Britannica. Shout out to Encyclopedia <laughs> Britannica. You know, no no, yeah. no shade towards them. But you had to basically keep this volume of books in your garage for 10 years looking up different information as the rest of the world continued to evolve and change. By the time the volume came out, we're not even sure if it was still current <laughs> anymore. <laughs> but uh, you're right. That That's what life was like. Yeah, we had that world book money and I think we only went up to like K. We <laughs> <laughs> can get like half the volume. Exactly. Yeah. If you want to know about kangaroos, I'm your guy. But if you want to know about llamas, that's it. That's <laughs> it. You got to talk, talk to Ralphie down the street. He has the other volume. Yeah. He better write a <laughs> raccoon. <laughs> you got to write a raccoon. But sorry, yes. So that that is absolutely something that uh, that we wanted to to talk about. Does this get into what how he yeah. motivated you to go beyond uh, just vet to to just you basically pile on another four years of schooling? You, listen, as much boring information as you want, I'm willing to provide it to you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I think it is helpful to take a step back because. You know, when I was growing up, like you said, it, there was no, uh, for me, there was no iPad, there was no Game Boy. The, you know, we had a computer and, you know, we just started getting AOL later in, in, in you know, my, my high school year. So besides that really dating me and making me sound old, the whole point of that is that my parents just said to me, hey, if you want entertainment, go outside. You want, you don't want to be bored? Go outside. You want to stop annoying me? Go outside. <laughs> and so I would just go outside and explore the woods. I would see foxes. I would lift up rocks. I would explore the, the natural environment and just sort of, sounds cheesy to say this, but just like commune with nature. And that started the initial sort of impetus into, into, um, into exploring veterinary medicine. And then out of tragedy, not tragedy, maybe that's too strong of a word, out of a crisis, I started to explore the idea of medicine and I put those two together and the crisis I was experiencing was a full-blown asthma attack. I remember, and there's different terms for what I was experiencing now, like you know, exercise-induced bronchoconstriction or those types of activities where your tertiary bronchus are really spasming and you feel like you're breathing through a straw. It feels like an elephant is sitting on your chest. And I remember asking the doctor, what is going on? And as he started to explain to me what was happening at the level of my lungs, despite the fact that I was struggling to breathe, suffocating, I actually started smiling. I was like, this is mad interesting. What's happening in my body as I'm literally feeling like I'm going to die? 
So he ended up giving me a nebulizer treatment and everything started working out. But I fused those two loves for animals and wildlife into the love for medicine. And if you look at those two, I think that's what really undergirds every child's or every person's passion in veterinary medicine is both a love for animals and a love for medicine. Because if you have just one or the other, just a love for medicine or a love for animals, you know, veterinary medicine may not be your passion. It may not be your pursuit. But if you can combine those two, then I think you've got something special and that magic can really happen. All that just reminded me that there is a, a thing on your Instagram that I, I thought was really striking. It was um, a picture of a young black kid in the twenties with uh, with two hounds, yeah, and and that that in itself marked a like a, a new chapter, and it was it was a, a sign of progress in like Black history, kind of. I know it's March as we're recording this. Sure, and, sure, but you know, that's, hey man, listen, that's over there's now, no, but. We, we can we can celebrate <laughs> Black history all year long, man. I like that idea. Let's do it. Let's let's instead of finding the shortest month of the year, let's do it all year long. <laughs> listen, that photo is very very striking. Unfortunately, there's others in the series that I'd love to share. With the with the Instafam, but you know the the what that picture represented to me was just progress. The, the human animal bond looked at through a racial lens. Of course, we know through this country, the original sin of of slavery and Jim Crow and segregation. And when you look at pets and and pet parenting and the human animal bond through that lens, it becomes really really interesting because here you have just a young kid who's you know, treating those dogs or representing those dogs as just members of the family. And for a lot of uh, young African-Americans or just African-Americans at that time, that wasn't a privilege that was generally afforded to them. And so looking at the the privilege, like, do we actually deserve dogs? For a lot of times, a lot of people, they were thought of, no, you actually don't. You don't deserve dogs because, like you were saying, kind of enshrined in our constitution is that we're three-fifths of a human, that sort of thing. But I think at the end of the day, that idea of that connection, that human-animal bond, that that love of, of pets is so beautiful to see it, particularly cap- captured in that photo. You're, you're exactly right. I like looking at that as another way to uh, celebrate black history. There's a panoply of amazing veterinarians and African-American veterinarians who've made such a mark in veterinary medicine. But I also like to start at the beginning, which is where do we develop that interest? You know, just like uh, Lisa was saying, like she developed it at a super young age. And, and if you nurture that, beautiful things can happen. Well, that was incredibly informative. And also, uh, you have now tied, we don't deserve dogs to the horrible tradition of slavery. <laughs> sorry, uh, so, yeah, we're going to need to rebrand, but <laughs> I appreciate that. Now everybody's just going to associate. <laughs> God damn it. You no, 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 that wasn't my intention. I apologize. Dogs. Along the same lines, there is a, there is also a picture that you posted of, uh, of Dr. King with a, a German Shepherd. What, did he have German Shepherds? No, and that's, I think, the that's the essence right there. That's where the complicated history between the African-American experience in this country and the human-animal bond becomes such a an interesting um, thought exercise and exploration into the foundations of, of this country. Because here, here in that picture, in that picture, what 
it may look like to a casual viewer is, oh, look, MLK is hanging out with his dog. That's so beautiful. You know, even MLK is amazing as a human as he was. What another element to him is that he is an animal lover. Well, that picture actually represents the fact that that police dog was actually placed in the back seat with him to intimidate him. Oh, shit. And it was shit. used as a way for further uh, oppression and um, to exact sort of the atrocities that were committed, you know, during the civil rights era and the civil rights struggle. So here you have one picture which you highlighted, which is a young man just so proud of his two hounds and he's got the dignity of pet parenting and pet ownership. And then you have another picture of MLK in the backseat with a German Shepherd and the dog is being used in this situation as a way of intimidation and an, an, an oppression. And so yeah. what I think is, why I, like I said, I, uh, I tend to nerd out on this stuff is because it is complicated. It is uh, interesting to explore that. It isn't all roses and rainbows when it comes to the African-American experience with pet ownership and segregation and civil rights struggle. So I, I like how you... I like how you juxtapose those two pictures because it really is emblematic of the 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 convoluted history that we have with with pets. Yeah, well, not not to mention the lack of diversity in veterinary medicine. Oh my goodness, jeez, how much time do we have? <laughs> have you know, have you noticed that? Have you have you noticed? <laughs> you ever noticed have that? You noticed no, that? I, honestly, I didn't. It never occurred to me. It never A lot of people don't know this. That uh, Dr. King, DVM. I know, right? They would think he was a veterinarian. No, you listen. When you have a situation where a a profession in which all has a very diverse has a diverse clientele, if you want to call it that, has a diverse membership uh, of of pet parents and and pet owners and animal lovers. But the doctors within that group are ninety eight or ninety seven percent Caucasian or homogenous. That is. Uh, something that definitely needs to be corrected. I mean, when you look at that, and I know it's it's ancient history now, but when you look at that 2013 article from The Atlantic, I mean, they said that the whitest profession was veterinary medicine. And now that isn't, really? you know, I know America, you know, it's like we're number one, we're number one, but that's not one of the things you want to be, you know, number no. one for. So right. I, I think to your point, you're right, that that's something that still we need work on. And fortunately, there's been this awakening in this country, right? There's been what I call a coalescence of consciousness in which people now are really thinking about this in a very granular way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we need, we need to be nurturing everybody and we need to be nurturing everybody at a very young level to, uh, we're just, veterinary medicine's not done a good job at being inclusive at all. And it's definitely veterinary medicine's fault as a whole. So, so, so many places to learn and educate ourselves on. I, I bet so many people who will be listening to this podcast just never even thought about it, never even knew. Just like, oh yeah, why is every, every vet I go to white and female? Now, although it used to be male, yeah. And that, that's the challenge right there, right? Is that, you know, is that you you look at, there's some people who may not even recognize that as an issue or as right. a problem why is that a problem why is diversity important why should we even care about it and my whole point is when you when you are able to access a larger talent pool you get better results in a more diverse talent pool and so for me i, I think that's something like you said it not only do we need some truth telling right we need to talk about how, what's actually happening but then we also need a reconciliation. So we need to figure out how do we correct it. But if we just start out with thinking about how to correct it without the truth telling, without saying, hey, this is the, this is the status, then some people will say, 
well, I don't even understand why you're even making this effort uh, until you let them know what the, what the true what the true nature is. So, since you are uh, board certified to operate on uh, pretty much, is it every animal or is it just small animals? Well, fortunately, the um, the surgery college is um, partitioned into. Uh, it's partitioned into large animal and small animal. And so mm-hmm. uh, I just do small animal. I know back in the day you might hear older surgeons say, you know, back in the day we used to operate on anything that walked through the door. And I still think that's – I think there's some surgeons out there doing it. But to be to be good at it, to be good at it, I think um, you really need to focus in on species. Because at the end of the day, people want – people want – Excellent, excellent care. And I think to be excellent at it, you really need to focus in on what you're doing. My all-time favorite thing, and I know I've said it before on this podcast, but a, <coughs> a, a vet friend of Lisa's was working in Jersey City, and this girl came in, and she's like, excuse me, do you have a pit bull specialist? <laughs> <laughs> there, there are people Classic. who um, – <laughs> market themselves as pit bull specialists, uh, Doberman specialists, bulldog specialists. Wait, there there really is? Well, I mean, people who love certain breeds, right, or vet, like, like people probably know me as like a Ridgeback specialist, right, because I love my Ridgebacks, so like that's just it. But, but to me, the idea that they could have been all the like, no, we only got a Rottweiler guy on today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're going to have to come back Thursday. <laughs> if, you listen, I have special interests, you know, I, I have a very special interest in Frenchie you know, I love French bulldogs, but I would, you know, the I don't maker, think there's a, a bet out there that can say, "Hey, I'm a French bulldog specialist." You know, that sort of thing. Uh, being in New York City yeah, and probably in LA, I don't. If it, there's going to be anybody, it's probably us in the big cities because oh, they so are true. so so true. And Frenchies popular. were in the news recently. My so goodness, so popular. Oh yeah. To, well, that you're talking about this Lady deserves dogs? talking about. Uh, that guy deserves dogs. Oh, holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> yeah, my man got shot for a Frenchie. I mean, I, he held on. He held on. I don't know if you watched the video, but I did not see on. the video. What happened? Oh, he, he held- I, I mean, obviously, we heard about the fact that he was uh, shot twice. I believe yeah. uh, they, you know, the, the the French bulldogs were stolen. They were eventually recovered, but I didn't see the video. Is it true that he held on to the dogs while being oh, shot? Oh yeah, he kept one of them. Yeah, he kept one of them. They only were able to pry two from his. Almost cold, dead hands. Oh Dude, whatever yeah. that guy's I, charging. And the, and the video is traumatic. It's really traumatic. I watched it. It's traumatic. <laughs> so I don't really recommend. I mean, he's screaming for his life. Oh, that is so tough. And particularly because I think about all all these Frenchies I see from shelter environments who need good homes and with looking for their forever homes to, to steal some or to shoot an individual so that you can have a Frenchie is just... I'm mystifying to me and, and horrific. You know what I mean? They, well, I they thought it was targeted. Sh- I they shot they- him in the chest and he was intubated for a day. I mean, he almost, he really almost died. Again, uh, these millennials, what? they don't know that back when we were growing up, you only got shot for your Jordans. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's it. You only got shot for your Jordans, jewelry. But, you know, when, when you see, you know, and this is no excuse to shoot anybody. I'm not a fan of that at all, obviously. <laughs> but when you see Frenchies and you go, my goodness, they're such adorable animals. You definitely want one. And you never should shoot somebody for it. But um, You're going on record saying that. Yes, I'm going on. This is a, a tough stance I'm taking. I'm against, I'm against shooting people for their, <laughs> for their animals. I know it's a hard here. stance to take. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> have our clip. That's going Very viral. Very controversial. That's... <laughs> 
so crazy. That's going to go. As a person that is uh, is qualified to to work on small animals of all kinds, I'd imagine that your house is just filled with furry love. Ten dogs, five cats, maybe a couple birds. What are you rocking there, Courtney? Oh, man, I'm rocking one really cute hamster, man. One really cute <laughs> hamster. Her name is Quarantina. And she's just, she's just uh, amazing. I, I mean, there's she just... She she picked her own name. It fits the moment. I think I I couldn't she I couldn't argue her with name. her. Mm-hmm. If she was five years old, that would be wild. Yeah, I know exactly right. It would just be. It just wouldn't be. Uh, it wouldn't fit. But uh, amazing. She loves to work out mainly at night, and she loves to get her <laughs> runs in. And then during the day, she just kind of you know she likes to sleep in, obviously. But at night, that's where things pick up. And I'm like, dang man, if she's out there, if she's doing exercise. I probably should be doing some kettlebells at least. At midnight, if that's what she's got going on, doing some toilet dips, easy toilet pool party, (laughs) push-ups before my pool party, right? That that pandemic pool party. How did this come to be that you have of all the animals? You you mentioned that you you're you're involved with rescues and and all these things. How did you forego dogs and go straight hamster? You know, it actually was their work, hamster's work, on the pandemic that made me adopt Quarantina. Basically, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with this with these studies, but they just basically had Syrian hamsters that they kept together in a house, uh, like a little housing cage, and they covered one cage completely with masks. Uh, they didn't put little hamster masks on all the hamsters, but they covered one cage with masks, and the other group had uh, the novel coronavirus or COVID-19. And what they found was like what? 63% and sometimes up towards a higher than 63% reduction in the transmission of COVID-19 with the cage that was covered by masks. And I just said to myself, man, if you, you little ones are doing so much to help us figure out this pandemic, then I need to adopt one of you guys. And uh, Quarantina, like I said, she's been nothing but amazing. She's like, she's super respectful. And, you know, she's really, I guess I've kind of warmed, she's, I've warmed up to her because initially she wasn't a fan of me, but then now she is pretty cool. But really that's what made me interested in this species is just their tremendous work helping us figure out this pandemic. Okay, did you know about... Well, I follow Dr. Courtney, so I knew. That's yeah, how you knew? Obviously, yeah. I for sure uh-huh. did not know that they were involved. Uh, so, wow. So they knew before Fauci that we had to get these masks on. <laughs> <laughs> they they were figuring out at the same time as Fauci. And to say I follow Dr. Lisa is the understatement of the year. I definitely follow her. <laughs> She's, and one thing that's amazing, and I have to ask you this, Dr. Lisa, I, I, I want to know... When it comes to the scintillating content that you put out there, right? So you always have the most informative stuff. I just want everybody to know that that takes time, right? Don't, don't you feel like that takes time for you to, to, to put that out there? Or is it just so natural you can just roll off the top tip your uh-huh. That's my <laughs> Jordan. If you didn't get it the first time, oh, it takes so much time. It takes uh, so much time and thought and effort and like wondering who am I going to piss off and what am I not going to say correctly and um, yeah, so much time and effort. And I still get a little nervous before I like I press post on any post because I'm putting it out there to like a lot of people. Um, so I, I, yeah, listen, I I don't think that that's. That should be understated. That's so important. You literally get a, a, 
a little butterfly feeling, a little quicken, yeah. a, a quickening in your heartbeat and nervousness and anxiety right before you press post. A little anxiety, yeah, because uh, everyone's, everyone's mad about something. So, And the other thing is not just me. I mean, I hire people to help me. I have help. I can't. It takes a village. It takes a village. I thought. Also, do you know who takes my photos that, now I thank during you. quarantine? Yeah. With, <laughs> no, with no tags. Do you know who loves taking my photos? Loves it. I mean, buddy, loves every it. time we take a walk, I'm like, you know what I want to do? I want to squat for 15 <laughs> minutes trying to get your shoes in that tree, but not get, that house. Not the house. No, and I, don't get that ugly car. And That's don't cut I, off my head and make sure the dog is looking. So you are the magic behind the lens. I've always no. wanted to know this. This You are so the magic. So I used to hire <laughs> wonderful, wonderful women to come I miss and them. take pictures with me an hour or two a week. <laughs> and now um, somehow our relationship is surviving this because um, every time, it's traumatic. Every time she comes us. downstairs looking like she does today, all prettied up with makeup on, I'm like, ah, shit. <laughs> Here, yeah. we Here we go again. <laughs> this is Here we go again. I'm, I am currently looking now for a COVID safe photographer, um, maybe at Rutgers, like out, if you want to meet me outside with a mask on. Um, I plan to be vaccinated soon. <laughs> Courtney, yeah. you take my pictures me for me, outside. wouldn't you? You'd be happy that? to take some photos. Oh my us. goodness. Like I said, I'll get all the <laughs> vaccines, all of them, all four, five your vaccines. If, like I Check said, you know, Kirkland Signature makes one from Costco. I'll take that one too. <laughs> I look, at Hell the end yeah. of the day, I'll take all of them so I can take your picture. And if you're looking <laughs> for a photographer, how exactly do... Um, how exactly do you apply for that? <laughs> um, yeah, just, we did it. That's it. Just please, anybody, Richie's going to accept anyone. Okay, all right. Application in. I don't know where I fall on the rung. Maybe I'm number 10th on the list, but yeah, I'm I, applying. I will rubber stamp this. <laughs> <laughs> You're in. Are you a, a murderer? Great. Yeah, Come on anybody, in. Anybody, I'm glad, I'm glad, I, I'm, I'm glad I'm up on that same tier as any, <laughs> any, any crazy person. That's fine. Yeah. No, but on a, on a very serious note, did, the fact of the the you to generate that content, think of it, the time it takes, the pictures, the curating. I think it's. Um, I just don't think a lot of a lot of people who don't necessarily aren't on on your aren't as prolific with their posts as you are. They don't realize how much time it takes. No, they yeah. don't, and it does. But thank you, and also because I'm me. Uh, Do you feel so seen? I feel so seen. Well, thank you for putting out that content. Like I said, I think it really energizes and informs uh, the 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 entire animal world and people who love pets and, and dogs in general. And so I appreciate the time and effort that you put into it. Oh, well, and also you'd let me know if I did something wrong. Oh man, I'd blow you up. Man. I'd find you. <laughs> I, would just, I would just blow your spot up so bad. Blow that ass. Perfect. <laughs> I do uh, need people to keep me that honest. That's great. Um, <laughs> uh, well, okay. We have scant time left and we have to know more about your precious quarantina, man. You you were losing so many tough guy points with, <laughs> with this hamster Listen, thing. I apologize. Yeah. But here's the thing. I will say this, right? Uh, although Quarantina, is, she's, uh, she's amazing. One thing that she is very good at is being independent. And she's very good at finding places to exercise. She's got a little activity area there where she can do all kinds of things. She's got her wheels. She's got her tunnels. She, she's very 
entertained and she's got a lot of mental stimulation, which I think is so important right now with all of these new pets being adopted during this time of the pandemic, during the quarantine. It's about mental stimulation, making sure they're not bored, making sure that their environment is enriched. And this goes beyond canine or feline species. I mean, we're talking even hamsters right now, you know what I mean? So regardless of whatever furry, feathered family member or scaly family members in your life right now, make sure they have the the best environmental enrichment because that is the key. It's not about necessarily just adopting a new different species family member in your life. It's about what is their life like and what's their quality of life like. Beautifully said, can you convince me that hamsters aren't fluffy rats? Oh, most definitely. If you see (laughs) the amount and the volume that Quarantina can fit in both cheek pouches, it goes all the way back to her shoulders. Okay, she can get um, the amount of, and you got to be careful about this, particularly in in hamsters is obesity, right? So you have to be careful about how much they're getting, how much they're eating. But the amount of groceries she can fit in her cheek pouches (laughs) and go down to her shoulder, I will, it will convince you that you need another quarantina in your life. Oh, by the way. There's only one quarantina. Sorry to give you the bad news. What is the uh, the Latin name for uh, for hamsters? What's the Latin name? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Actually, He's asking him like he should know. Uh, I believe it's Mesocrisitus auratus. Uh, okay, so oh, wow! Okay, so you so found it out, of, out of all those right. letters, you found the R A T you were looking for. You proved your point, babe. <laughs> there you, there you go. You, you picked. You picked sense out of nonsense. Yes, I, I totally. <laughs> I, I love that. <laughs> it's kind of my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so we have a quick uh, personality test that we're going to run through here to better get to know your beloved Quarantina. Scale from one to ten. What are her special skills? Uh, her special skills is she's an escape artist and I think that that's on yes. a scale from a, you know from um not so good to amazing and 10 is amazing she's probably a nine a nine or an eight yeah. and uh strength she's that, a, I was gonna mention that it's really important to know about hamsters they are escape artists yes they are massive escape artists is it yeah. escape artists uh, she's a survivor, yeah. so she can literally <laughs> find anything and make a home out of it. She'll take whatever it is, newspaper, <laughs> substrate, cardboard, stack it in her cheek pouches, and then go to her den and push it out of her cheek pouches to build a new home. So she's kind of, a, basically what I'm saying is she's like a contractor, you know what I mean? So the <laughs> bottom line is um, she's she's an escape artist, she's a contractor, and then I'll just be honest, she definitely has my kind of appetite because one thing I struggle with is portion control. And that's something that I'm continuing to refine throughout my entire life because I do love to eat. And um, I I guess I could say I channel my inner quarantina. Okay. Um, her savagery. Savagery? It, when you first meet her, she does not take any, she, she will not take any gruff from anybody. If you are, if she doesn't know you and you say, hey, quarantina, let's hang out. She will give you the kind of scream that says to me, excuse you, excuse you, you got to get to know me. Who are you? That kind of thing. So she's certainly vocal and she'll let you know off, off, off the jump. That is not, I'm not one to be trifled with, but as you get to know her, then she's much more cool. So how bougie is the girl? She is not necessarily a diva. Like I said, she will literally live anywhere. So if she wants to escape, (laughs) let's say in the laundry room, she doesn't mind living behind a washing machine. If she wants to escape in your bedroom, she'll live in the closet. She doesn't mind. 
find where she lives. You know what I mean? And that is something that you won't necessarily see in somebody, you know, in Southern California or in Santa Barbara. Like, they definitely care where, where they live. So I have to give her credit for that. Okay. Uh, dude, you've been uh, just phenomenal guests. And, oh, man. Uh, just That's a, a so joy nice to talk to. We, we got more. Really, you, this, is, this has been a, a sheer joy. And uh, we have only one thing left to do, and that is to determine by way of a quiz if you, Dr. Courtney Campbell, DVM, deserve DVM, D-A-C-V-S, deserve hamsters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. You know what it is. It's time for a quiz about dogs and shit. I feel like you're kind of a test taker, if if we're being honest. Uh I I think you're probably taking one or two in my life, yeah. Yeah, I think you're probably going (laughs) to be okay. Question one of three. Of the many IG hamster pages out there, my favorite was at the Pip Squeakery, a.k.a. Hamster Gonna Hamster. And it's a rescue and sanctuary for small animals of any kind, no matter what their needs. Highly recommend the follow, dear. Oh, sounds so cute. However, one of the hamster wranglers they have there was awarded a certificate of completion from Purdue University for what skill? Whisker repair? Squirrel juggling? Rat tickling or capital breaching? Uh, whisker <laughs> repair uh, or ra- I'm going to say rat tickling. Rat tickling. That is correct. Yes. Uh, yes. This professional hamster person was awarded a real certificate from a real university wow. for tickling rats. Okay. Jeez. And I would just use your pinky finger. That's the key. You can't use any other <laughs> thing. This is the smallest finger you have. Tickle, 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 Spoiler, tickle, bro. Tickle. Uh, okay. <laughs> wait, it turns out you're, that's one of your other certificates that you have in life, other than being a boarded surgeon. You also yep. know how to tickle rats. I wish. Uh, okay. In its tips and tricks section for all would-be rat ticklers out there, which of these techniques is not recommended by Purdue University? This is a real thing. Okay. Uh, which one is not recommended, doctor? 15 seconds on, 15 seconds off. A vigorous but light motion. Use only one hand or a UFC style ground and pound. Oh my goodness. I was going to say rear naked choke. I'm going to say UFC <laughs> ground and pound. Definitely not. Not what? advocated for rat tickling. The guy's a natural. We haven't, yeah, we natural haven't even cheated taker. yet. I just want you guys to know. Usually we cheat. Hey, I did I not get these questions in advance, know. by the way, just yeah. to let it no. know. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's see if you can go for a clean sweep here, brother. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yes. Oh, and also remember that they also say that anything more than 15 minutes <sighs> 15 sec- is 15 too much minutes? for Jesus tickling a rat. Christ. 15 seconds is If you tickle me. anything ever for more than fi- for 15 minutes, you're an absolute monster. And you have to be stopped. That is torture. Yeah, that's actual tickle torture. Borderline torture, tickling anything, any species, period. Psycho. Five minutes. Way too long. Yes. Uh, Final question, Dr. Courtney. Which of these is included in the peer reviewed article about how not to tickle your rat? Don't do it while taking a bubble bath, don't touch its rump, don't tickle your rat if it's under the influence of drugs or alcohol. Or don't tickle your rat while driving. Which one of these is actually included on what not to do? Yes. <laughs> okay. So if you're inebriated, no. If you are driving, bubble bath and 
And what was the second one? Don't touch its rump. I'm going to go ahead and say that one. That one is actually in the study saying, don't do this. Is that true? (laughs) That is correct. The man went three for three. Yes, uh, especially male rats hate it when you touch their keister because that's where aggressive other male rats show their hostility, which sounds like the premise of a whole different podcast. But, uh, (laughs) dude, it it turns out you you deserve deserve hamsters. hamsters. Oh, yes, please. I see the confetti. It's dropping down right now. You guys got balloons. You guys really went out for this. This is pretty impressive. Uh, You were awesome, man. Thank you so much for joining us. And where can people follow you? At Dr. Courtney DBM, uh, drcourtneydbm.com, Twitter, Instagram, all the socials. Um, you might see me popping up in Dr. Lisa's comment section. What? So you can find what? you can find me there, um, wherever it is. But uh, I, li- I look forward to uh, anybody uh, reaching out with questions or comments. And of course, to you two, host of the year to, you know, <laughs> We Don't Deserve Dogs podcast. It's been an amazing experience and I'm honored that you would invite me. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Go you. On. Thanks so much, man. This was great. Bye, Courtney. Okay, thank bye. You. bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to We Don't Deserve Dogs. I'm Richie Redding. And I'm Dr. Lisa Lippman. Yeah. And you can find both of us at our respective handles, those exact names, at Richie Redding, at Dr. Lisa Lippman. And uh, I just want to give special thanks to our editor, of course, who is Jordan Aaron, and our executive producer, King Joffrey himself, Jeff Umbro, of The Podglomerate. And you can find more of their shows at thepodglomerate.com. Some of the music in this episode comes from Breakmaster Cylinder. Make sure to check out the sponsors you heard in this episode because that really helps provide the show to you free of charge. Let them know we sent you. It also really helps people to find the show if you rate and review on Apple Podcasts or share an episode on socials. Tag us at We Don't Deserve Dogs and let us know what you thought. We'll see you next week when we return with another episode of We Don't Deserve Dogs. All content provided on We Don't Deserve Dogs is for informational purposes and entertainment value only. None of the content on We Don't Deserve Dogs is intended to constitute third-party veterinary advice or any other third-party professional advice. The content We Don't Deserve Dogs distributes or transmits should not be considered as a substitute for any type of professional veterinary advice. Nothing on We Don't Deserve Dogs is intended to be used as a veterinarian's diagnosis, veterinary treatment, or any other veterinary service and should not be relied on to affect the medical therapy of any pet. Nothing transmitted to or from We Don't Deserve Dogs can replicate a true doctor-patient relationship between yourself and a veterinarian. Your dependence on the content of any information found on or transmitted by We Don't Deserve Dogs is at your own risk. For veterinary care and advice, please see your veterinarian. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.